Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hello and welcome to the Everything is Black and White podcast. I'm Andrew Musgrove today, joined by Chris Woff and Mark Douglas. Mark, it's your first black and white podcast in quite a while are you happy to be back delighted delighted yeah um, June is one of the month that I both love and hate love because it's the summer hate because nothing happens ever only calcinated well I mean you know the World Cup's happening but it's not been all that quiet you know, no it's, it's not stuff happens but, but people want more to happen than, than what happens but I'm sure the thousands upon thousands of listeners are, are glad to have you back <laughs> Uh, Chris, we'll start this week with, I suppose, good news. Uh, Martin Zwafka signed permanently. There was a bit of a worry that Newcastle, or was there a bit of a worry that Newcastle might stall and then deal might break down? Because Zwafka was quite clear last week that it wanted sorted by the end of May. It has happened, but were you ever worried? I wasn't worried, but Dubravka himself was worried. If you, if you listen to his interview on the uh, NUFC TV, he says that he didn't know until... Rafa Benitez texted him 24 hours before it was confirmed. He still was unsure that it was definitely going to happen. So that shows that even footballers, and when these things seem to be a formality, we'd all been told that Mark knew the same as me and Lee, all of us knew that Newcastle were very keen on making this happen. But the uncertainty over the situation with Rafa Benitez long term and the fact that it hadn't been confirmed when all Newcastle had to do was just activate a clause that was there led to some uncertainty. I was always confident it was going to happen even with everything else going on. Um, even if Rafa Benitez had left this summer, I think there was a chance to Bravko would have come anyway, uh, because he, re- he really enjoyed his time here. But thankfully, none of that has, has unfolded. He is here. He's, he's, a, he's a Newcastle player, and for four million, or if you include the loan fee, closer to six million, I think it's an absolute bargain for what has been an excellent first few months on Tyneside. I mean, we've spoken about it, I think, continuously since he joins about how good he's been. But we might as well do it again just to reaffirm the point of why Newcastle have signed. Martin Dubravka, for me, the first time I saw him play live, I think it was against Southampton, Newcastle were 3-0, and Southampton were there, had been dying, never really threatened, and it was still 88th, 89th minute, and you could just hear him barking and shouting the orders out in a stadium, which at that time was, you know, the atmosphere was through the roof, Newcastle were 3-0, they played really well, but all you could hear was, was Dubravka shouting, and that, to me, spoke volumes about, this is the keeper that Benitez has wanted, this is why you know the defence have benefited from. I mean, for me, that was just it was just amazing to see. I think, I think he's what what he has as well is he's proved Rafa right about something that I think it probably a lot of us thought was, you know, a position you didn't necessarily need to strengthen. Actually, you saw from Dubravka how good he is on the ball as well. Like, I mean, you know, he's not he's not Jordan Pickford in terms of he can't pick a pass like that, but he's pretty good on the ball. Um, but he's also got a much better tactical awareness than any of the goalkeepers that Newcastle have. So I think he proved, he added an extra dimension. The two players that Rafa brought in, Kennedy and Dubravka, added this extra dimension that he'd wanted for a long time. And for £4 million, it's an absolutely stupendous deal. 
and, and we really have to hope that Newcastle can can sort of work on a few more of them. I was enthused by the fact that Rafa actually name checked Steve Nixon and Lee Charnley in the statement, and I know a lot of people when I mentioned that on Twitter said, "Well, he would say that you know it, 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 it's words put in Rafa's mouth and stuff." Well, that that wouldn't happen, you know, that wouldn't happen at Newcastle. So let's hope that it's the start of um, some good business at Newcastle in the summer. I think a lot of there was a lot of sort of positivity around that move that Newcastle got it done, um, you know. But they did get Christian Atsu done quickly last last summer as well, and then it and then it sort of ran aground. But it's a really good signing for Newcastle. Dubravka, I think, will only go from, you know, I think he'll get better as well, the more and more he plays for Newcastle. So if they continue to build a squad, you know, you can see them. It's a good example of how you don't need to spend multi multi millions if you've got a good eye for a player. So just how. Newcastle unearthed Martin Dubravka who if you now look at maybe some of the uh, goalkeeping performances from the top teams some of the top teams would probably want Dubravka after his first six months in, in the Premier League I mean for a keeper who looks very good quality obviously you know things could change next season you know it might we hope not but it might be a one-off you know kind of thing how have they unearthed such a, a good player? Well, or such a low price as well as Mark's already referenced. Well, the first time I heard his name mentioned was it was early December, and there was a, there was a few goalkeeper names put to me, the likes of Ariola and and people like that. And Dubravka was mentioned, and it was a name I have to be honest I'd never heard of. Um, and Newcastle looked at him for for a good few weeks, weren't sure, went elsewhere. We're looking at Ariola, told the price was too high as that had been the summer before kept on looking at Joe Hart, even looked at the likes of Wayne Hennessy or Thomas Kuschak claims this morning that Newcastle made a loan bid for him. Um, not sure how true that one was, but I know that they did throw quite a few names up in the air and just try to, to see who would stick. But Dubravka was an interesting one. I think I've said on the podcast before that Newcastle was so impressed by what they'd seen by him that they there, were, there was questions asked behind the scenes as to, well, why hasn't he been picked up before? There must be something not quite right here because it wasn't just that he hadn't been picked up by a big club. He'd only started appearing for Slovakia about 18 months, two years ago. So Newcastle did their background work, they asked people, and they just said, for whatever reason, he just hasn't been picked up, but he is the real deal. But even then, Newcastle and the scouting team said, rather than signing permanently, we want this deal to be a loan deal, just to see how it will work, see if he can make the transition to the Premier League. They'd, been, they'd had their fingers burnt before with Matt Sells, they wanted to make sure they got it right, and he's just impressed from, from the first moment. I remember the... the press conference he did a couple of weeks after the Man United game one the journalist just said to him where have you been for so long and it was it was a bizarre question because for Mark Dubravka for himself has always known his own capabilities but it was basically just saying that like why haven't we seen that much of you and I mean he played against England for Slovakia but hadn't really set the world light then but it just shows that, that, that the scouting team really is doing the work and Benitez puts a lot even before this statement he released with Dubravka he signed he'd said before it was very much the work of Steve Nixon and his team that put Dubravka forward mm. to him and it, from them they, they found him. Well, I, I think the one, the one thing that's really positive and it's great that the deal's been done and everything, the one like kind of uh, most worry for me is that I, I've always felt with Lee Charnley and, and with Newcastle United as a whole, they, they've tried to chase the perfect deal. They try to chase the perfect deal and this one is a perfect deal but it's not, it's the exception you know, it's not the exception that proves the rule for me. It, it, it's it's a case of, you know, look, you can do the odd deal that's like this that just works and is brilliant, but you're not going to be able to do loads of deals like this because, especially not with like strikers, you're going to have to eventually just bite the bullet and do the deal. This is the kind of deal I think that 
you know, I wrote a piece about it on Friday where I said that um, when Rafa went to the meeting at the end of last season and spoke about Sandra Ramirez, you know, Mike Ashley was really, really enthused by that idea that like, oh, you can get this player who's had a really good year in La Liga for six million or whatever. And um, he was really like, go and do it, go, go and get it done and stuff. And Newcastle couldn't in the end because the wages, I think, were ridiculous. It's not proved to be a great move for, for Everton because they didn't play him. But I just hope that Newcastle don't go down that route again. I know from speaking to people who worked in the recruitment at Newcastle for the last five, six years, that that was their biggest frustration. That Newcastle chased the perfect deal every time as if we've got to get the perfect deal. We, we've got to make sure that every penny is accounted for, that we don't spend money where, where it's not needed. Because unfortunately, you, you can't be the only club that's trying to do that in the Premier League. Dubravka is the perfect deal. It's really, really, it's a really good deal. Um, but, you know, they're going to have to take a few risks, I think, this summer. And my real concern is that they just get obsessed with the perfect deal. And they've managed to do it with Dubravka, so give them a load of praise, but don't get hung up on it because it's not going to be possible this summer. Just to pick up on the point Mark made earlier, not about the transfers in general, it's more about Rafa Benitez wanting this goalkeeper and wanting to change the team. And I think that that's the, the difference in mentality. And I'm not just going to say between Mike Ashley, the football club, and, and Rafa Benitez. I think it's almost the, the generic... The, what, what we as football reporters or as fans think is, is oh, well, they've got a really good centre-back. Why do you need another one? Or they've got a really good goalkeeper. Why do they need another one? For Benitez... You can always you can always better whatever you've got. You need to increase competition. You need to increase uh, get better in every single position. And Newcastle, yes, they've got a very good centre back in Jamal Lascelles. But if a really good centre back presents himself as an opportunity this summer, you may have Lejeune in the cells there. But Benitez isn't going to turn up the the ability to sign that player. And it's always about progressing forward. And I remember speaking to a lot of Newcastle fans in October, November, and I was struggling to justify then why Benitez was so keen on another keeper and why he was so annoyed he didn't get one. They kept on saying, well, Darlow's now performed well or before Elliot had been, and now they've subsequently seen the difference there. It isn't even always just about someone offering something different. It's about increasing that competition and increasing the level across the pitch, and that's what Benitez wants, and that's why I think in any in any position, including still in goal, a goalkeeper this summer, if Benitez sees the opportunity to sign player he thinks can improve the squad he'll do it just one final note on, on Dubravka when we spoke to him like you said a few weeks after he signed he was very proud to, to come to Newcastle he wanted the challenge but he seemed to understand what it meant anyway I know that's cliche to say because you know, you know you, you can say that about most players in the press comments but he seemed genuine and then obviously when he signed again proud to be a jury really enjoyed his time he's talking about the fans you know, it, it seems more than just someone's written it down on a piece of paper. From he seems to understand what it means to play for this club. And that's the kind of player that Benitez would be more wanting. You know, in his next whoever comes in next. I mean, it's a, it's a big thing for Benitez to for someone to understand that passion and connection. Yeah, and this was the opportunity of a lifetime for Dubravka. That's what he said. He'd 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 only just gone to Spark Prague six months before, and for him that was a big move. And then six months on, he, he'd thought about staying there. I think he's saying a three or four year contract there. He thought about staying there long term, but Newcastle came along, and suddenly the Premier League chance was there. And it was a club who he'd he'd watched Newcastle in Europe in the past, and he he grown up watching them. And it wasn't that he was a Newcastle fan or anything when he was younger, but he understood history of the club and. Going out in that stadium, you just have to see his reaction on the final day when the fans sang his name. And I mean, I remember I almost missed 
uh, Newcastle's third goal because Dubravka was was waving to all the fans, and I was watching it because they were singing his name during the during the build up to that free kick to you score the goal. You the five things you may have missed. Well, exactly, yeah, um, and it would have been what I've actually missed rather than what everyone else missed. Um, so and he clearly he, that connection he speaks again about it in his interview last week and I, he seems genuine about it some players he's sometimes saying not sure but he seems genuine and he has got that bond with them and for him this is this is a huge opportunity and he, he sees that working under Benitez and, and at a club like Newcastle this is where he can progress himself he's still only 29 uh, for a goalkeeper that's young he's got another 7-8 years ahead of him Fantastic um, we'll get on to now the, uh, some exits uh, Matt Sells obviously getting ever closer to the to the exit door and um, Bemba um, a few links to other players which we don't think are I've got anything in them like Florian Lejeune so we'll start well does anyone want to hear that people start with Matt Salzmark um, hasn't worked out no I, didn't do, I mean you look at his record on the championship I, still, I think he managed five or six clean sheets in the, the brief spell he had what was it just you think he wasn't good enough like um, confidence a mixture of things well we asked Rafa and uh, he said that he still thinks he's a good goalkeeper but he just thinks men, men, his mentality meant that what he was looking for him when he dropped him was to fight back and he said actually what happened was that he found it very 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 difficult not playing and, and I think it just all sort of spiralled away from there and to be honest I think to me never looked comfortable with the physicality of the Premier with the Championship sorry he started off badly in the friendlies didn't he and I think it was like you know, as opposed to Dubravka starting off in that Manchester United game that everybody suddenly was like wow this guy's a good player um, I seem to remember he was at Doncaster was he Doncaster and he yeah. just missed a couple of crosses and it was like what have Newcastle bought and, and it just never recovered from there I think he always looked a little bit um, it was looked a little bit suspect but he's obviously got something about him because you know Anderlecht he's done pretty well there um, he was you know in this Belgium squad for the World Cup obviously he's not made the final cut but he was in the you know, he's fairly consistently been in the Belgian team they've got a very good group of goalkeepers and he's he's been in there he's not been many miles away from it so he's decent I think they need to get rid of him though he's taking a massive pay cut to go back to Belgium um, and I think Rafa will tell you that 75% or 70% hit rate with transfers is good and he's just one of three out of ten that hasn't. Well, that was going to be my next question. Do you think, obviously, he costs, what, what five million? He would be on maybe thirty yeah. or forty thousand pounds a week. I said, yeah. just me speculating, we don't know that. But, no, he's on good money. Um, do you think, in a way, that maybe Stone might actually slightly ins- went back when Vinier says, I want essentially full control to go as well as our Matt Sells? Mm-hmm. Do you think, in a way, or is it yeah, just. I think, I, think, I think it did, yeah. I think, I think there was not necessarily full control, but I think what. what was the problem that January was that Newcastle had signed a few players who on long contracts that they were sort of like well we can't afford we're not going to give you it's, it's not necessarily full control it was just a case of you know you've wasted a lot of money it was, the, was not it was never said to him but that was kind of the implication was you've wasted some money um, and you'd signed this this amount of dross but you know the point that Rafa said was well I've signed these other players who transformed the club and changed things um, but yeah, I mean, you know, look, his record isn't perfect, but it was, you know, it's not bad. And, and I think the point is that all of the play- most of the players that, that they're going to subsequently sell, they're actually going to make their money back just about on them, just about, I think. And, you know, look, they wasted a load of money on Tovan and, you know, when they when they try to do things in a, in a sort of cheaper manner, you know, you, okay, you, you write off less money, but you still... Right, enough money. I mean, Riviere never did anything at Newcastle, and he was one of the 
and he was one of those there was a few others along the Remy Cabela never did anything to all that never did anything so it's difficult isn't it you, if you give I think that's what Rafa that's the the basic thing that Rafa's wants this summer is to, to know that he get he's going to be trusted and if he makes a big mistake and signs a 25 million pound player and it's a total bust he says well I'll take it on the chin but don't make me spend four or five million like I did on Hosselu and Manquillo and and all these other players don't make me do five or six of those signings just to get bodies in because look you can't I, I, I'm, you know you can't trust me you can't you can't judge me on that Part of the issue as well is, is the, the wages in terms of that even last season when some of these players were out on loan, Matt Sells, the vast majority mm. of, of his uh, wages were being picked up by Newcastle. That's why he was the highest paid player ever in the history of the Belgian league, which sounds quite incredible, but because Newcastle were, were subsidised and what he was being paid at Anderlecht and the likes of Savi, who was before Benitez's time but is still there, was out on loan again, they were picking up a large part of these wages. And that is the wage budget ballooned in the championship and it didn't go down enough last summer they managed to get rid of the likes of CM Diong eventually but you've still got Lazar and people like that out and about and so I think part of the issue has been that Newcastle are saying you have to get these wages off the budget before you sign these players and Benitez is saying well I want to sign these players because I can get them now and then we'll move them on later in the window when it's more likely we'll be able to do it and there's been that almost back and forth the last few windows so that is it's almost even more so than the transfer fees themselves the wages and the fact that they're still on the books has, has been part of the issue as well so Matt Sells and even and left move and Bemba potentially going along with him for a price maybe 10 million euros perhaps yeah, to some fans it might sound a little cheap for two relatively young players who especially in the, in the case of Mbemba I have a feeling you're going to disagree yeah has a lot of potential to be quite a good centre back. No, I, I don't disagree. I think I think he has. Um, I think we saw during his first season in particular. He, he's quick, um, not the tallest centre back, but all right in the air, confident in the ball. He's just not a Rafa Benitez centre back, and um, that has been part of the issue communication wise. He struggled since he, he's been in England. I think there's been a few issues here and there behind the scenes, tardiness and, and the like. Um, and just for whatever reason, he hasn't hasn't worked out. He's versatile. He can play in defensive midfield, can play at fullback even, um, and has done very well for for the Democratic Republic of Congo. And I think he could still do pretty well. I'm not sure he's a top level centre back, but I think he can be an all right player. And it just hasn't worked out for him under under Benitez. And you can, I think, after that first season, even when Newcastle went down, people thought oh, the same November for eight million. That seems a bit of a snip. He can probably double that. Well, the way that the last two seasons have gone from. I think his value, if they get eight million for him, I think they'll be doing well to to have got that just because it doesn't look like any really big clubs are that interested in it's looking like most of the interest is from Belgium or from Scotland or there's a couple of German clubs interested, but I think the likelihood is they're gonna have to if they if they break even on Mbemba they'll have done alright just because of the way the last two seasons have occurred. Right, on to the transfer rumours obviously what we'll do is we'll start with Jamal Lasalle's, you know, Everton it's the big one this week, thirty million pounds. I mean, today's today's market, you would say, <laughs> what twenty million pounds short, perhaps. Well, uh, you know, you never say never with Newcastle selling players, but they haven't sold anybody, you know, massive, you know, who they haven't wanted to sell for, for quite a while. And I would think that the sales, you know, the only way they would do that would be if it was a similar thing to what they did with Carroll, which is, look, we haven't got much money. We're going to need to refresh the whole 
um, squad by selling one player to buy three or four others. But I don't see how that would work with the sales because thirty million wouldn't wouldn't be enough that you'd have to literally just be buying a replacement, wouldn't you, with Lascelles? Look, he's a good player. Um, you know, there's plenty of time for him to for his uh, price to price to balloon. I'm sure there's clubs out there wanting him. I'm sure there's clubs looking at him, but you know, you'd have to say that it would be a massive backward step for Newcastle. And I, you don't get the vibes around it. Look, you normally get vibes around certain deals happening, players leaving. Um, you know, like we say, and I know we get a lot, we get a lot of backlash when you put the Mikel Marino thing out there. You're getting vibes that that might happen. He might go this summer because of various little things around that. So I'm not, I would not sit here and say Mikel Marino will be in Newcastle squad at the start of the season. But I'd feel much more confident the sales would be. Um, I just don't think he's pushing for that. Everton's not the great big leap forward that Lascelles would be looking for unless Mike Ashley is literally forcing that one as Carroll was basically look, the offer's too good to turn down 30 million no way I mean you would be looking at 60 million I mean Villa are asking 40 million for Jack Grealish they're not going to get that and they'll probably end up asking for half of it but that's the kind of figures that are being quoted Newcastle are being quoted those figures for players 30 million pounds I mean who's somebody went for I mean what was it um, Kelechi um, Iheanacho went for 25 million but now played a game and this is going back a bit and this is maybe pulling up uh, you know but when they sold Johan Kabai Newcastle failed to get the going really I know it was 19 million but a lot of fans would say well I, you know there were players going but he wanted to get and he, you know that was that got to the January also they, they'd had I think and also somebody lost their job for that Joe Kinnear was basically drummed out as director of football because they didn't feel that he'd been able to do the deal um, they should have done you know he had I think Kabai has maybe two years left on his contract so they knew that if he got to the summer it would start to be the point at which are we going to get any more money from him Kabai had already got on strike it, it was PSG they had no choice they had to accept that deal there, there was a lot of things with that they haven't sold anybody at that level for a while, you know, they sold Van Alden. I think he would have gone in that summer if they'd stayed up or not. Suzuka probably would have gone that summer as well. But that, that was a different breed of Newcastle player. They were sold Newcastle as a platform. You know, uh, Alan Pardew was the manager for a long period of those man- those players being being there. They, this he is described Johan Kabai as the consummate professional as early as Well, but Kabai, to be fair to Kabai, then did go in and put a load of really good performances in but with the view to I want to leave in January and they knew that he was going to go I mean I stood with Pardew in the uh, corridors at West Ham that January and he basically said to us off the record he is going to go yeah we know he's going to go none of those vibes have been the same around ourselves if look if Man United came in and said £50 million for him and Newcastle say had Johnny Evans lined up to come in and replace him you'd be like well I can see the sense in that. I can see something in that. But Everton is not a massive jump up for for Lascelles. He doesn't want to go. He likes being captain. Um, you know, I just don't see it. I can't see that one at the moment. If it happens, then fair enough. I'll hold my hands up and say I was wrong. But the vibes are not that Lascelles will get sold. I, I saw something on Twitter that he's a good defender and a good leader. So you're not just having to replace essentially one element of the team you're having to replace two and it's very rare that you get a good defender and an excellent leader in the, in the same kind of player so it, it's not going to be an expense I mean it's not going to be a cheap replacement should 
deal happen? It's not, and I, I, I very much back Mark on this. I, I don't see it happening at this stage. I think it would take an astronomical offer, but at the same time, with that, I think that. I don't think there's a single player in that squad who, if they've got an astronomical offer for, they would would turn it down. If it was if it was the current market rate that Newcastle thought they could they could get value for, and Benitez thought, right, I can use that and I can spend that to get a good replacement and maybe someone else. I don't think there's a single player in that squad. That's obviously, and I don't think he wants to sell the cells. I don't think the cells is going to leave. But if Everton suddenly came in and said he has fifty five fifty odd million. For Jamal Sells and Benitez finds out that there's a player in Spain, a centre back he likes, or someone in England maybe, or Johnny Evans or whatever, or and he thinks right, well I can get that for him for a snip, and then I've got another twenty five million to spend elsewhere. I don't think that that it's it's totally beyond the realms of possibility that could happen. I fully expect Jamal Sells to be in the Castle shirt at the start of next season. I think he will be captain. He's important he, to the team, as you say, both from a playing and a leadership point of view. He can get better. There's still elements of his game to work on, and I think we, when we all we all like all oh, thirty million, that'll be nothing. And you, you would you wouldn't want to sell him for that, but you, you can't be too insular about these things because you put there's probably people elsewhere and in other clubs who, to be fair, haven't seen the sales we can we out. But I think a thirty million pounds for Jamal sells that seems a heck of a lot of money, even nowadays, even for an English centre back. And that's the way that we all get with transfers. Every single club like Stoke think that they should get thirty odd million for Jack Butland or whatever they think that he's worth that and every club wants to get the best market value for them. But you've got to remember that at the end of the day, every player does have a, have a price, and, and clubs tend to know better what is the sort of going rate for a player, and they, they may speak high about someone and then be willing to accept less. And, and I think that if Evan did come in with a £30 million bid, I think they'd realise that was just to test the water and see whether it is a very much, we put £30 million in, on Newcastle just going to bat straight out of hand, or is it going to be... 30 million no but come back to us which I don't think it would be because I think Newcastle would just say no we're going to have to start way high on that and just say, we'll move on in just a second final question on ourselves he's been very vocal about keeping off Benitez backing off Benitez allowing Benitez to build the squad if it gets to two weeks before the, uh, then the transfer window Benitez hasn't been given the, the money hasn't been able to add to the squad in the way he wants Do you, could you then see the bid does come in. Lascelles' head then being turned and saying, "Well, look, if the if the board aren't willing to back Benitez, I'm willing to add to what we did last season." And you know, where where's my career going in Newcastle? Kind of thing. Well, I wrote a piece yesterday, and, and the suggestions from Mersey side as well is that because of the uncertainty over Benitez's future, that's the reason that they think that Lascelles could have his head turned. I don't think that is the case at this stage, but there's no doubt that the the fact that Benitez only has 12 months remaining on his deal. There is uncertainty there in players, the likes of Mikel Marino, who you could argue maybe, because he didn't play that much last year, would actually be thinking, well, if Benitez isn't here, I'll have a long-term future. But in general, the players Benitez signed to Florian Lejeune, who's been linked uh, to Sevilla, a former coach there, Jamal Lascelles, they're thinking, well, I could turn down, if, if, if it was a really enticing offer, say if Chelsea or someone did come in for him, I could turn down a really enticing offer here, yeah, there's two weeks left in the window, Rafa Benitez hasn't said he's going to be here in a year's time, I could turn this down. I could get injured during this season. This opportunity might not come. Benitez may not be here, and it's that there is that potential fear, and that it's also with players coming in. I don't think transfers have been affected yet, but if it comes push comes to shove, when Newcastle are up against another Premier League club or another club in Europe, and a player's tempted by the fact he can go and play for Rafa Benitez, but then all of a sudden he thinks, well, hang on a second, his agent says, well, he's not going to be there in a year. This club's 
going to give you a little bit more money here and there, then that could that could change the situation. And that uncertainty is not healthy. It's not healthy for anyone. I think Benitez recognises that. That's why he'd prefer the situation to have been resolved. He didn't want to speak about it in January when the club first came to him, but he did. He would have liked it to have been resolved as soon as the Arsenal game, as soon as Newcastle was safe. Discussion started nearly two months ago. Here we are, and it's long term future still isn't sorted. And I think that that does put, even if it's 1% of doubt, into both players who are currently here thinking about the long term futures and also players who might come in. We'll get on to Rafa Benitez's uh, contract woes and the suggestion that you know things are going very, very slow. Just briefly, Mark, Florian Lejeune linked to Seville yesterday, like Chris says, former manager. Mm. Him and Lascelles have formed a formidable partnership. Um, again, another one you can't really see happening? No, I can't see happening, no. I, um, I think it's, for me, feels like, you know, it's funny, it's it's silly season, isn't it? There's a lot of links, a lot of people... Um, a lot of people are going to be putting names out there and, and look, Lejeune's, done, Lejeune's had a pretty good season. I think you'd say second half of the season he really came back into it and yeah, potentially, you know, if he hadn't have kicked on from January, you'd have said people would be saying, oh, well, happy for Lejeune to go. But I don't think they'll sell him. I, I, you know, I can't see Newcastle selling many of their, the players that, that played towards the end of last season. Potentially Dwight Gale, although, you know, again, have to a custom to replace him. I think the the bigger chance for Newcastle really is just who they get in first. You know, they're going to need players in rather than rather than get rid of the, the likes of Lejeune. And if Rafa's going to stick around and he's going to and he's suggesting that he's not going to break his contract despite the fact that he's not massively happy with the, the hierarchy, then he's not. You know, then they're not going to sell Lejeune because it just wouldn't make sense to be breaking up a, a winning formula. Um, but these teams, you know, teams agents like to test the water at this stage in the, the summer so it's not surprised that there'll be other links as well Newcastle have been linked to Kazim Newhu of uh, Young Boys in Switzerland I mean what do you reckon that one £8 million uh, you know I've got to be honest not a lot I don't know a lot about that one I don't know a lot about that player I, all I do know is Rafa spins a heck of a lot of plates so a lot of the links that you see you know especially the ones doing the foreign papers uh, uh, you know there's probably a a pinch, a grain of salt, a grain of truth in them, um, but you know, look, that's a, that would only surely be anybody you're signing for eight million pounds these days is going to be a squad player at the very, very best. Where have they been focusing their scouting in know? terms of areas? Yes, where it couldn't. Uh, well, England's big. England's big. Spain is huge. He's got a lot of friends in Spain. Um, it wouldn't surprise me if a player came back from there. Um, this Turkish market is interesting because they've obviously did look at Saint Tosin who ended up going to Everton. They, they were really keen on him. Um, and they did look at him as well. Uh, Germany's key as well in Italy because they're markets that, and Spain and Italy are two markets that Rafa knows really well. He's got so many people that he knows. He's, he's got real sort of links and connections with a lot of people in those markets. So it wouldn't surprise me if, if they looked to Spain and Italy. Uh, but I think England, you know, they, they'll try and bring players in from the Premier League. And that brings up Lorenzo from... Between obviously Benitez being clear he wants another right back in um, so after a bit of competition to Yedlin obviously Jesus Gomez is, is gone now we announced yesterday on Twitter um, we got into Gomez in a bit I mean there's not really much to say with Lorenzo I mean is that a name that you think might He's, he is someone who the Newcastle did watch some Torino games last season I know that for a fact 30 years old probably going to cost a few million I'd 
be surprised, although Benitez would does want um, to sign more experience. I don't think it's necessarily at fullback that he wants that, though. So I'd be surprised if they were to spend that money on it. But he is someone they've looked at. Newcastle, as Mark says, Benitez has a long list of players, and what he's having to do still at the moment because there's still a haggling over exactly how much he's going to have to spend and when he can spend it. He has to look at various different options. So he's looking at Loren, who probably cost about eight million. He'll have even cheaper options, and he may even have more expensive options depending on how much he thinks he can get. So that's the problem we've got as well. He's got these. He can't necessarily make the long list as short a list as he'd want at the moment. And I know that in terms of all these links coming out in, in Turkey, and we always get them in France, which I think part of which is is the the layover almost from the, from the Graham Cario and the Castle were very active there, and um, that. Benitez gets frustrated sometimes because he'll speak to agents and he might say to them, look, I'm looking for a right winger or whatever, and they may put five names his way. It's not necessarily that Newcastle have looked at this certain player, but then this agent saw the, the, this player, the way of Newcastle, and suddenly it's in the papers all over, and Newcastle are really interested in such and such. It doesn't always work that way. Sometimes it's just Newcastle inquire about the availability of the player, not that they're high up the list and on all these names come out. So, as Mark said, there's usually the, a grain of salt or a connection somewhere there where there is some truth in it, but it's not necessarily always. I mean, Turkey, you'd think that Newcastle would spend... We're going to spend fifty million across in Turkey this summer, well, which I'd be shocked about, if that's going to happen. Let's talk about Gary Rodriguez today, linked with a seventeen and a half million pound move, and he would be in Newcastle United record transfer. He has been watched by Newcastle United several times. Uh, he is a player who seems to be would fit that kind of uh, thing that Benitez is looking for. Exciting, likes to run at players. Doesn't he's a bit like Kennedy in a way. He hasn't got that fear, uh, but obviously, you know, Kennedy we would say is probably the better player, but. Do you see it? Do you see that? Any truth in that? And, and would it be, you see, if there was an element of interest there, would it be, do you think, Rodriguez or Kennedy? We wouldn't see both come through the door, surely. I can't see both coming in, but I think it's also the case that you've got to remember Newcastle have never broken their transfer record under Meg Ashley. If they are going to break it this summer, which is still a big if, I think that will be on a striker and not on a, not on a winger. I can't see them breaking it more than once this summer. I don't think there's necessarily going to be the funds there to do that if Benitez wants the five or six players as we understand he does I think it's unlikely because if it's safe to, to break it that's £17 million well that's already if, if, if a likely budget is say if he got what he got last summer that would already be more than a third of his budget I think it would probably be a slightly probably a quarter of it so I think I can't see them spend that on more than one player Benitez would like it to be on a striker so I think that's where it will go but Rodriguez is someone they've looked at, but I can't, I can't see them paying seventy nine million for, for a winger unless it's Kennedy, who they've seen can do it from Newcastle. Mark, you agree with that? Yeah, I think, I think the the one problem with Kennedy is that it's going to be the end of the window before they really find out, or it's going to be towards the end of the window when they find out um, whether there's anything, any chance of him coming back on a, a loan. A lot of uncertainty at the moment at, at Chelsea as well, which doesn't, which adds in to the problems. Um, you know. Rodriguez is an interesting one because he's obviously got talent. I think Rafa is desperate to get Kennedy back because he knows what he can do and, he, and he's just such a good player. Um, he's been so good for Newcastle as well. I mean, he's never played at that level for Chelsea because he's never played consistently. He won't play consistently for Chelsea. He's not probably quite good enough for them. So I think, yeah, Rodriguez doesn't feel... I think the Turkish papers are quite excitable, aren't they? It's like them and the Port I Portuguese. Yeah. Portuguese press is even worse. I mean, they are just absolute rubbish you know the town thing yeah and look yeah I don't yeah I mean somebody just posted something in there uh, on Twitter like a, a 
wind up a Sunderland fan posted a picture of Andros Townsend supposedly on a fly and they ran it as he's going to Portugal it was like that would make the front pages I know the people listen to this who's, who have a go at the Chronicle but I tell you we, we always check everything out we always um, double source just, just interesting because we'll probably get Alan for being linked to Bastos again because that occurs every afternoon but just on that okay so like I said they're reporting Portuguese they're reporting yeah. in maybe Holland or whatever but we wouldn't be doing our job essentially. We didn't reference that in, in our live blog yeah. to, to to the audience. So the way things so the journalism's changed a lot since I in the ten years that I've been in the at the Chronicle. And I think um, what we used to do in the summer was um, I used to because we we'd be working solely for the newspaper. So I used to spend the whole day ringing around agents and trying to find transfer stories and, that, and then putting them in the newspaper for the newspaper the next day. Um, and that was the media eco-structure at the time. People waited until the newspaper came out the next day and were happy to read their transfer stories then. What's happened subsequently is you've seen the rise of Twitter, the rise of um, you know 24-hour news in Sky Sports News as well, and the rise of kind of our websites have, have sort of changed. About three years ago, we decided to go digital first. I think it was that we were always we were doing that before. So basically the, the ecostructure has changed now and people want information through that whole summer and it's very very quiet but so what we have is we have a live blog and we run all the rumors and but we'll flag them up as this is a rumor so we will i think what happens is a lot of people then say oh the chronicle doesn't know what it's talking about because it just runs anything but no we flag anything up that's um that, that's a rumor or that's come from foreign press but people want those rumors look if it wasn't for the fact that people wanted to read all of the rumours and all of the things that were being said about the football club and and I think that those those readers are intelligent enough now and, and are informed enough to know that you know the difference between a rumour and what we write as well-informed a well-informed report saying this is who Newcastle United are after um, and I, well, I think so anyway and I think for a lot of the a lot of people that get very frustrated around June and I know I do with with my team you know because sometimes there is it feels like there's a lot out there that that's so people get frustrated, but what that's what we do now. And, and whether people like it or not, there is a massive appetite for rumours and you know what's being said in the foreign press about your team and all the rumours that there are out there and stuff. And people, you know, it's it's just a massive modern part of part of the modern game now, and especially the media. And people might think that that's a cop out from on my part, but I'm telling you that that, that is. Every time we run a transfer rumours piece, it does incredibly well in terms of people read a lot. People read that. So we can't really be seen to say, to pull up the drawbridge and say, we're not going to acknowledge what's being said about Newcastle United out there anymore because I think a lot less people would read our our stuff, a lot less people would be bothered. And I'm telling you, 10 years ago, when I used to do it the other way of painfully ringing every agent, and there was still a load of rubbish being said by agents and stuff as well and a lot of the sagas that we chased then didn't happen as well so there was never a golden era of everything that was written was 100% correct it was never like that and what we do now is just comprehensive you know you come to our live blog we have everything that's about Newcastle United in there and if you read it rather than reading the headline you'll see that we we always either flag it up as a rumour and we'll then go and try and check it out so just wrap that up do you get much Bradford news in the Portuguese press? Um, we get a lot, well, tend to be what happens with, with Bradford City is that we get a lot of, uh, there's a lot of rumours doing the rounds because there's a lot of 
we haven't got a head coach, but we're signing players. That's so the door we don't want to open. Hey, we're only yeah. looking to take the next. Um, yeah. Chris, um, onto Benitez's contract. Uh, painfully slow. Um, talks of a kind of a stalemate. It's not looking overly optimistic, but we're confident Benitez isn't going to walk away regardless. But, you know, it's we'll be out back next week, probably seeing the same thing, but it seems like just kind of banging, banging the head against a brick wall. Yeah, it almost seems to be a sort of chicken and egg situation at the moment of, like, Benitez is saying, I need, I need substantive evidence that you are going to match my ambition going forward that we're going to sign players that we're going to do this we're going to do X, Y and Z and Newcastle saying no we, we will just if you sign your contract then you can go and spend this money this summer and bring us over well how much money is that and Newcastle Mike Ashley came out and said that it's going to be every penny generated by the club and Benitez said so what's that an exact budget and it's sort of the answer sort of fudged a little bit and it's just it, it's going round in circles and unfortunately we're in the same situation we always seem to be in in the summer under Megashi when a season finishes well which admittedly hasn't been overly frequently in the Megashi era um, but when it does you remember when they finished fifth and then that summer you thought they were going to go out and sign more players nobody arrived for ages then Vernon does the only player who signs uh, the, the uh, summer when Newcastle get promoted last year First, the statement comes out when Mike Ashley and Rafa Benitez met each other and it sounds positive. It seemed immediately it was, but then we started getting sounds it wasn't. And then by July, they're out in uh, Dublin and you've got Rafa Benitez actually telling Mike Ashley he needs to stick to his word. This year, we haven't even got to that stage where there was an initial statement. You've had a statement from Ashley, but nothing from Benitez. Um, and basically, there's been no confirmation either way from the club on the record in terms of a statement saying that Rafa Benitez is definitely staying next season or understand that he is but obviously there's nothing saying he's going to be staying beyond next season because he hasn't signed a new contract and it, it's frustrating it puts it just gives a negative vibe across Tyneside which isn't necessarily the finished 10th last season that did far more than anyone expected them to and yet it just feels like Groundhog Day and it just feels like momentum's being sucked out a little bit if if Benita, if they've been able to saw all this stuff and Benitez say signed another three year contract, suddenly then that just gives everyone a bit a bit of a boost uh, connected with the club and, and suddenly then players will be thinking right Rafa Benitez players who might be coming to Newcastle think right Rafa Benitez is going to be there for three years this he clearly thinks that this club's going places we can come and sign there but now because he hasn't signed and because agents of players who might get linked to Newcastle will be saying if you look at these stories over the last few months Rafa Benitez wants to sign a new contract but hasn't yet that's going to create doubts in the situation so the whole thing is just a bit murky it's frustrating expect it to be here next year but I, I think he's going to need proof from the club that they're going to match him before he signs long term Mark, Mark how do you I mean we don't know but how do you see it kind of working I mean is it a case that you know Benitez is representing so on the phone every day and they're just waiting for an answer I mean is it back and forth I mean fans will be quite, I suppose quite interested to see you what you the way you think these negotiations are working in terms of the two parties kind of speaking? Um, so it's Rafa's representatives rather than him being directly involved in the talks, um, and they're talking to Lee Charnley rather than Mike Ashley, which I think is part of the problem at the moment. Is that really you know I think he knows that, 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 that to make the really big decisions you probably need Mike Ashley involved, and uh, we asked him several times about that, and he was kind of very. You know, Rafa didn't really address it too directly, but I think he knows that that's the case as well. So, in terms of ongoing talks, it will be very much. I don't. I think they'll be mothballed now. I don't. Think there'll be ongoing talks every day, every every 
you know, every week. It, the way that Newcastle United works is, you know, it can be kind of snail's pace, really. Uh, you know, they've got one person, really, in Lee Charney who does a lot of the business. He's got a lot on his plate. So I'd be very surprised if... I, th- I would think that by this point, the talks have been had. Both sides know the positions and there won't, there won't be any movement, really, I don't think. Unless, unless it literally gets to the point where it comes to a head... Uh, but even then, with Newcastle United, it's come to a head a few times, and you know the, the West Ham stuff. Um, you know, Chris will be able to tell you that when the West Ham stuff was all kicking off, you were up at Newcastle United, talked to people. They were very, you know, it wasn't like this has forced the issue at Newcastle United. It was, well, we don't think he's going to go. You know, it, that, I think that's part of the problem. I think you know we'd like it to be crisis talks. Everybody gets around a table, sorts it out, thrashes it out. But it's not going to happen this summer. And I, and I said before the end of the season, I thought it was going to be a fudge. I thought it would be, we'd go into the summer without any clarity. It's exactly what's happened. Um, you know, I sat with, I sat in the press conferences before the end of the season with, with Rafa talking about his future. And he was saying, I want it resolved. I don't really want to go into the final year of my contract without signing anything. You know, and he was making those noises. But I just, I mean, you know, I kind of looked at it and looked at him and thought, you know, you've been at Newcastle long enough, you know how these things work. Like, do you really think that they're going to suddenly give you all the reassurance that you want? They can't, I don't think Lee Charmy can give him the reassurance that he wants. I just, you know, it's just a typical Newcastle United fudge. It, it, I don't think that there's any way that, that this contract gets signed before either... With it, there might be a massive change of heart, don't get me wrong, and that, I wouldn't discount that because you never know, but I just don't think that... Look, if he's got, if West Ham have made the noises about trying to get him, which they did, and Newcastle haven't really blinked, and probably by their perspective they've said, well, we were right not to blink because that was a whole load of rubbish, really, and that was West Ham pushing it a little bit. That's the problem at the moment is that you've just got both sides actually thinking now, well, the other side's not being realistic if they think I'm going to sign the contract or if they think we're going to give him the assurances. That's the problem. You've got both sides now basically a bit of passive aggressive, thinking that the other side is being unreasonable. Effectively, I think. I think this is this is largely my supposition, but I think that Rafa regrets the statement that came out last summer when he met with Meg Ashley mm. because he doesn't like to misinform supporters. I remember when we were going to do a question and answer with him about eighteen months ago. Um, and at the time he'd been quite keen to do it and then he delayed it for a few months because mm. at the time he was having an issue with Magashi and exactly where he wanted to go and he didn't want to, he didn't want to be asked questions that he, that he was going to answer because he wanted to answer them in as honest a way as he possibly could so he deferred it until it came to a moment and then he eventually did the question and answer with us and I think that he, he thought that that gave up too positive a message to, to fans that, that, he, that everything was going well and everything was happy and I think that that is part of the, he, he wouldn't say that towards the end of the last few weeks of the season. He was asked on several occasions, are you going to be here long term? Are you going to be here in September? And he wouldn't answer the question because he doesn't want to misinform fans. And he doesn't want to say, if he signs another contract now without those assurances, that sends a message to supporters. That sends a message to everyone who, who he said for ages, I have ambition, I want the club to show ambition. And that says to him and to everyone else, the club's shown that. And at the moment, they aren't showing that. And I don't think he wants to send out that message until he gets the opportunity to. He likes to communicate as honestly and openly as he can with fans. And I don't think he's going to make that mistake again until he's sure that he will get what he wants. Just briefly, obviously, Castle announced their pre-season plans. Over to Ireland, fixture there against the Parks. I 
Athletic, and then they played the likes of Porto, Hull, um, FC Augsburg. Exactly what Rafa Benitez wanted as a very positive uh, sign, I guess, because he wanted to go. Uh, he didn't want to go along all, did he? He didn't know. I mean, to be fair, I don't think as much as Newcastle had the funny idiot sponsorship sort last year, and there was the talk that in future there could be a potential tour in, in, in East Asia. It wasn't ever something that was agreed at the time, and Benitez has made it clear from his very first summer that he doesn't he doesn't believe unless the the finances are so huge he doesn't believe it's conducive to a good pre-season you fly you're too much time in the air the focus is, can be on commercial events rather than the football itself I spoke to him uh, the last the last press conference of the season quite extensively about pre-season and he said he said we like going to Carton House in Ireland we know it well the facilities are brilliant uh, it's, it's an enclosed environment there's no distractions the focus is on training the focus is on getting prepared for the new season. They can do that there. Doesn't want to go a long haul because A, he wants players to spend as much time with their family as they can during that time, training from home. And B, knows that they can just fly out the portal and fly back, only spend 24 hours there. There's still another friendly to be confirmed, which will probably be a similar sort of uh, trip where it'll just be somewhere in Europe, they'll come there and back. And he likes that. He doesn't, he doesn't, he thinks sometimes teams have too many games. You see some teams playing eight, nine, ten pre-season friendlies doesn't think Newcastle need that, they're going to have five or six, that's the perfect amount, gradually build up, you start with St Patrick's, you go through Hull and, and Porto and build up to, to the last game against Augsburg at St James's the week before the start of the season, so for Benitez pre-season is about exactly that, preparing for a season, for a lot of clubs it's a money spinning exercise, but thankfully Newcastle have gone by them, I have to, to be fair to Newcastle, for one seven ounce pre-season very early usually we're waiting until I mean mm. last year some of the fixtures weren't even confirmed until July they've done it they've gone and, and confirmed most of it earlier than one game and that gives fans the chance to go out and see these games and for the likes of the portal trip and to be fair on Newcastle we have to give them credit for that just to wrap it up then this time next week when we record the podcast do we foresee any movement in the transfer market or on Benitez's future I wouldn't rule it out because I think that they are that apparently they they have I think they are looking to get a second signing over the line from what from what I was hearing, um, but the market's pretty flat at the moment. It's not you know, Chris did a good piece which talked about the money um, when it comes in, and it's not until July is it? So yeah, that might that might delay things a little bit. Um, I, I would say I wouldn't I wouldn't say it was the most. I wouldn't say I, definitely not, but um, I think at this point in time we're still, you know, we're still in the kind of making inquiry stage. Grand. Well, of course, we'll keep you up to date with any movement there at all. Uh, if you head over to chroniclelive.co.uk, that's where you can find um, all the stories and what have you. Thank you very much for joining us. We'll be back next week. Thank you very much for listening. Please remember to like, subscribe and share the podcast, whether that be through iTunes, Spotify or whichever platform you may be listening through. And if you want to get involved with the podcast, you can do so via our social media channels. We're over on Twitter at Chronicle NUFC and on Facebook at the same handle, Chronicle NUFC. We want your questions, your topics, your feedback. So why don't you drop us a line and get in touch?